Man, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, that, man, that was crazy. Oh, okay, okay. Here, here's the next customer. Yeah. Hey, man, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Where you come from? I'm just down the street. Good, man. Can I grab your ID from you? Uh, yeah, sure. Perfect, thank you. you anything to drink tonight? Uh, no, not right now. Nothing? No. Nope. No pre-drinking? No. Nope. Nothing to eat? No. Nope. You weren't eating anything? I mean, I, had a, I grabbed a bite earlier. What'd you have? I had a burger. How long ago was that? An hour ago. An hour ago. Nothing to drink? No. Alright, man. Have a good night. Go on in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How old are you? Uh, 18, 19. Ah, interesting. Get out of here. <laughs> And welcome everybody to this week's episode of Bouncerpedia. This is Mandeep, and I have... Jeff. What's going on? How much are you? Great. So, you know what? Like, we've got a lot of traction on the last couple episodes that we've had, talking about like real bouncer stuff and like what security does. Yeah. Um, so talking about like what it actually means to be a bouncer versus security. Mm -hmm. And then this next one after that, on this, this little mini-series that we're doing, um, was the use, use of force. force. Yeah. I think one huge thing that uh, is also really important to talk about is the perception of security guards or mm -hmm. bouncers that mm -hmm. they give up. For sure. Right? So I know when you, depending on where you go, everyone has their own perception, right? Yeah. Of different things. But obviously when you go to like a big concert event, to a nightclub, you first person you're gonna see is, is a security guard. Security, yeah, for right? sure. So, um, you've obviously been to nightclubs before. I have, been to a few. Yeah, so like, did you ever go before you were Security or bouncer? No. Never. I started security when I was 18. Oh, okay, so before you even could go in. Yeah. Okay, fair. But you have been to clubs in general. I have, yeah. I've been to them since I, since I started. Mm -hmm. What is like the perception that you get from places that you've been to on your nights off? It's weird because after working them, the perception isn't there for me. I, I know who these people are. I know what they're like. I know... I know the ones who are faking it. I know the guys who are puffing their chest out. I know the guys who are putting on that angry face just to have that angry face. I know the guys who are really just pissed off for the night. Okay, I, I can read them. I know who they are. Like, okay. I can tell, like, yeah, that guy's standing there looking all big and mean. Is he really all big and mean? No, he's not. Does he have to because he's the biggest guy there? Yeah. Yeah. And do I know this one guy is just being the loud, obnoxious type, trying to get girls? For sure. And do I know this guy is trying to be big and bad because he's the small guy in the room? For okay. Sure. That's fair. You know, um, from, from my experience of this, like, working uh, as security, I can, you can kind of tell who's going to be what. Mm -hmm. Like, who's going to be the... Has the, like the Napoleon complex? Napoleon complex. Who's going to be the hothead? Who's going to be the one to throw the punch? Who's going to be the one who's not going to jump in? Yeah, yeah. You you can read those off people so quick now. I think so. You know, it's, it's but you know what? Sometimes people actually surprise you. Like someone that you think would never jump in and help you, and then you see them come like a spider monkey out <laughs> of nowhere. Yeah, and but I don't think that happens as much as. Um, especially it used to. I definitely feel I can read people a lot better now. Yeah. Like, you talk to them for a few minutes, you're able to figure out who they are and what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, you work with them a couple shifts. You do one ejection of something, you can read a lot about them on yeah. how you, you're going to work with them mm -hmm. on that one ejection. 
So perception of security guards, re- realistically, like by definition, what like when people think is that you're going to go up to somebody who is just going to try to intimidate you mm-hmm. and be like a douche to you. Big, big intimidating assholes. Yeah. Is the, the stereotype of a security or bouncer. You're right. And like, obviously there's, there's more, more to us there. It's not that we just like stand there and like are looking for trouble ever. I know I was never really looking for 90% that. 90% of the time, if we can stand around and do fucking nothing, that finger pop our assholes. That's that's so much better than having to do objections, dealing with crazy fucking Karen, dealing with a puker, dealing with someone at the door. Yeah. Like, we would like to be able to have a quiet night, no problems, nothing. Yeah. We, we don't look forward to kicking people out. We don't eye people who specifically kick out. No. And we do see those signs and then realize, okay we're going to have to do something about this and we keep an eye on it yeah. but we're not like fuck this guy for doing nothing I'm going to kick him out because I'm bored yeah and the other thing people don't realize is that anything that we do normally we have to do paperwork at the end of the night yeah which they think like oh we just like fight people and then go home yeah. no I, I had to fill up paperwork what happened if who was involved big happens like you can be there for an hour doing paperwork yeah doing all your reports I remember when I was on like the floating teams I might have like 12, 12 to 20 reports to do at the end of the night. Yeah. Well, at, at Rev and the Dog, it wasn't like Dallas where it's like a quick little ejection sheet. You yeah. had a full report for each ejection. Yeah. And like you said, 20 to 40 is very plausible. Yeah. And like, they wanted fairly in-depth reports. Yes. Because in case anything happened. Yeah. But also, like, that place was, like, known for having lots of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, even before our time. Yeah. Right? So, like, that part made sense that they needed all that. But, like, it was a lot of work. Yeah. Right? So, again, with perception, is like... So, the door guy is usually the first person you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in recent times, at any time, I see someone at the door... They're not like they used to be with a try to look big and intimidating. They're usually nope. someone... It's usually the nicest guys, guys who can talk. Yeah. And it's for a reason. You you want them to be able to talk to these people. You want these people to feel comfortable and open up and be able to let some things slip that maybe maybe they have had a few drinks. You don't want them to be scared and clammed up so they don't talk. Exactly. You're not going to be able to get information out of them. You're not going to find out if they've been drinking or anything like that. Right. Yeah, so like you... It's more of a, a customer service role. For sure. Yeah. Right? Um, where I think people don't realize that. They like go up and they're scared to talk to them or you, you ask them some questions to the customers and they're like, oh, like, why do you want to know? Yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm just actually being friendly. I don't really care. percent There should be no reason that anyone's scared to go talk to any security. They're actually all very nice. Yeah. 90% of them are willing to talk. They, they have no problem talking to you for a little bit. Yeah. Like... Especially on a slow night, you can definitely chat with them and find out some stuff. Hundred percent. around with them. Hundred percent. So, build build those bonds with security, especially if you go there a lot. It's gonna make your life better, makes their life better. Yeah, makes everyone's. So, talk to your security. Bring them a coffee. Bring them a donut. Give them a little wink as you walk by. <laughs> make their night. Yeah. Because you know what? Something like that 
I guarantee if you wake at a security guy, he's going, that is going to make his night. Oh, yeah. 100%. Even if it's another dude winking at you. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> they're going to remember that for quite some time. It's funny. <laughs> um, okay. So, think about now that it's all basically customer service and, like, you know, try to be, like, happy-go-lucky people. Um, whereas before, so when we first started... Back as more of the bouncers. Yes. Yeah. Before we had to get licenses, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That's when... What was the perception back then? The perception back then was fairly true of, like, you're there to enforce these policies and you're going to do them with an iron hand. Yeah. You're going to ask, tell, make. Very simple. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the, the customer service it is today. Um, we weren't there to make friends and be friends. We were there to do the job and we, like I said, we did it with an iron hand. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I know when I first started, there was like the, the Bravo team, mm-hmm. and then I didn't know what they were, but there's just like this big group of guys, usually it was like 10 guys who stood outside, they'd be like smoking cigarettes the whole time, yeah. just chatting, until something happened, they'd run outside and come out like, just like manhandling yeah. people. I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, they always wore like, their, their like jackets, and and they, they all were like really big dudes that you just didn't want. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to see them. Yeah. Right? So I definitely understood that, um, which I thought was interesting. Because, like, and, and well, actually, when I when I first started and started talking to those guys, they seemed like they, they want nothing to do with you until they, they trust you. Exactly. I was going to say that's the big thing is it's a, it's a trust thing. You have, to, you have to prove yourself to them. Yeah. Because... Especially back then, at some point in times, you are putting your life in this new guy's hand. Yeah. It, there is a lot of trust issues. You do have to build that repertoire and that bond. Yeah. It, to me, that makes sense. I had to do it everywhere I went. And even my first night at Rev, uh, we got into a fight and I accidentally grabbed Nigel's jacket. Oh yes, and he fucking tore a strip off of me, telling me not never to fucking touch him. Who the fuck do I think I am? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, oh, this guy fucking hates me. <laughs> I think he he still hated me up until a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I understand. It is what it is. You know, but in that moment as well, like, it's just. Every everything, everything. it was a black jacket. I didn't know it was him. I don't even know if I actually did it, but whatever. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so I definitely get that. that you need to mm-hmm. obviously be respected because yes, you're not going to want to run into a fight with a guy you think has your back, only to get there, turn around and see him standing there frozen. It's the freeze. It's yeah. He was Mr. Freeze for another reason. Though. That's true. But yeah, it was not the same. I, yeah, he, I, I had no problem going into a fight with him. That was fun. No, he definitely was. That that particular guard was really good. Yeah. Um, he was really good with his words and what he was saying. And then it was really always funny he to hear that good with his words. He didn't say much. Yeah, but what he did, it was just hilarious. <laughs> but then after, like he would. The way he'd recap things was even funnier. Yes, that that was. Yeah. 
So I get that part. Um, but yeah, you know, like usually, you're not going to send in the smallest guys to be your You're not going to send in the, fault. The, sm the smallest guys. You're not going to send in the newest. No. Uh, actually, you know what? You might send in the newest. You might. You're going to see how they do. But you're going to do it on a situation that you know is not going to start you're kind of there as well. 100%. So you kind of like... But you're there more as like, let's see if this guy gets fucking punched in the face. Yeah. And then if he does, okay, that's fine. Let's see how he handles it. Yeah. So like, you always, it's always good to see how someone reacts after they get punched in the face. Yes. You, you learn a lot about them. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think another perception is, that's her only job. We're, yeah, we yeah. only work there for two days a week, three days a week, some places. Mm -hmm. That's our only job. And that we magically make fucking 20 bucks an hour. No, I don't think anyone ever thought we made 20 bucks. They ever always said, oh, you're probably making minimum wage. But we were making minimum wage. I know. But they would also even be like, you're only making 20 bucks an hour. I'll make 40 and da da da. I'm like, fucker, I wish I made 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, tell me where you work. I'll come work there. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that perception is very wrong. You go out, you have a drink, you have a beer, maybe a record's red with your friends. Yeah. Like, we don't just eat, breathe, eat, breathe, bounce, and sleep. Like, we have other jobs, usually. Actually, yeah. all the time. Everyone had another job. But we have other hobbies. Yeah. We all, yeah, we all have full-time jobs or, or in school, mm -hmm. like, depending on where you were. But yeah, like we definitely had other things to do. Yeah. Um, security is not our life. Yeah. Which is it's like such a weird perception. Like, you don't go up to like a waitress and be like, oh, this is your only job. Yeah. No, you're probably working towards something mm -hmm. else, right? Um, but like that's like always a perception for like a lot of people in service industry or hospitality. Is like, oh, like mm -hmm. you're doing this for minimum wage. Yeah, this is it. This is all you're good for. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people who are like very successful started out doing these types of jobs. 100%. So, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. But you know, like the perception is as well is that with being security is that you are you don't you're not going to mount anything. You don't do yeah. anything. Whereas in in fact, like I've met a lot of like interesting, cool people, yeah. successful people. Yeah, people with their own businesses. We have our own business. Yeah, other people have their own business. Everyone has their side hustle. Everyone has another job. Yeah. Just because you work security doesn't mean you're not going to amount to something. You can't. Right. You can't move on and use this as a stepping stone. Mm hmm. So. That 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 was always the, the interesting thing. Of, like, you think this is all I'm going to do in my life? Mm -hmm. like, what do you think I do from Monday to Friday before I come in here? Yeah. It's not like I'm a robot. I get plugged into like. A cabinet somewhere. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not locked up with the radios downstairs and yeah. in an office, just waiting to be let out. I'm not boss rooting's fucking <laughs> home defense security system. Yeah, but like even then, there's lots of cool things. Like anytime we have big shows, like you are their security. Yeah. Right. So any artist that comes, like you get to meet them. And yeah. Oh, you meet a lot of great artists. I've seen a bunch of different shows. Yeah. Bunch of bunch of concerts. Yeah. And like. You, you get all these experiences that other people aren't going to get. No. I've been backstage on dozens of different shows. I've met dozens of different artists and had great times. Yeah. And you know what? You had to pay 
40, 50 bucks to go stand in line and see them from afar. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm, I got pictures taken with them. Yeah. I'm at their tour manager. He gave me his number. Like, yeah. I've, I've made connections. I have my, my ins and you paid for that for me. So thank you. Yeah, very much. I like probably, so like obviously I'm, I'm big into hip hop. I mm-hmm. like listening to it. Um, and the craziest thing was meeting Raekwon. Yeah. Right, when he came to Rev, mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, like, you're going to be a security. Are you serious? Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to meet him. He, I'm going to be five feet away from him. To him, whatever, he's he's not going to remember me tomorrow. He's not going to remember me 20 minutes after the show. No. But that's going to stay with me for the rest of life. Yeah. Avicii was the same way. Yeah, that was a good one like, too. How many people can say, like, they met Avicii? Yeah. I'm in the green room yeah. found out what he's about yeah you know like just, you, just saw him and like almost almost got to understand him and what goes through his head like this is his time before a show he plays with his Lego and he just kind of yeah. chills yeah he needed to play with his Lego yeah. he wanted sandwiches yeah. before uh, quietest person ever but very, on very stage he was like big big personality very yeah. explosive yeah yeah, so like that, I was really glad to have met him. Obviously, he's passed away now, but like at that time, it was, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think he just looked like an average kid at that time. Yeah, like this tiny little Swedish kid. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So there's a bunch of different ways that we could be perceived. Um, obviously, as like the big brawler type, or just like the douchebag. Mm-hmm. But nobody really perceives us as like a good person that's just trying to make a living. Hundred hundred percent, just in there to to do her job and and go home. Yeah, not not trying to impress anyone or be a dick or an asshole. Just in there to hang out with some friends for a little bit, make some money. Yeah, and and go about our our normal lives. I agree. You know, there's. I think there's other reasons why people also become bouncers and security guards. And I think um, because of the perception of like when you are one of these people, like you're super confident in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like you know like what you want and blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the same time, there was those like guys who were coming in who didn't really know themselves and thought they would get their confidence. No, even 100% built your confidence there. Yeah, I've seen it so much. The biggest thing is pork chop. Yeah. That guy came in, the quietest little fucking kid ever. Yeah. And now he's a fucking mouthpiece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's every true. But, like, so, you, you can definitely walk in very quiet, very humble, and be able to grow and build that confidence and not know how to talk to people, to change into someone who can go up to a group of five guys and be like, listen, unfortunately, we're calling it a night, and you're all going to be asked to leave now. Yeah. And you're not quivering your boots, show confidence, be authoritative, and not back down when one guy all of a sudden feels like he can stand over you and pressure you, and you're able to hold your ground, and don't realize that you're the alpha in the situation, and have him back down. Yeah. Because, like, when you, when you show up, Perception is what people like when you're kicking somebody out. The perception is that you're just gonna be rude to them. Yeah. But if you talk to them confidently and 
and like with authority, obviously mm-hmm. a little bit. A lot of times that people understand. It's only when you push, push what you're saying. Yeah, sometimes. Majority of the time, yes, and yeah. obviously there's going to be times when it doesn't matter what you say, it's just not going to get through. But if you have the confidence of you're going to be leaving now, yeah. there's no options. This is the final decision. This is what's happening. Yeah. They're they're more likely to go from it than if you kind of give them an out or they're able to be like, well, you know, you haven't really said like, am I leaving? Without what's going on? Like, you make it very clear and precise. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, that, that that definitely makes sense. But like that also comes with practice. It does, and again, like you can you can fake it. You know, you can to a degree. Like I know when I started, I was also like a quiet, quiet guy. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be the quiet, one. Didn't like confrontation. Yeah, like I just yeah. want to stay out of everything. But then, like, once you start doing it, like, okay, I, I have to do this is my job. Yeah. But and and like you have to kind of be a little bit more vocal. So I know that working at bars and doing that first that helped me mm-hmm. change a little bit to be come out of my shell. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps everywhere in life. Yeah, like there there isn't an aspect of life where being able to stand up for yourself and be vocal and authoritative isn't going to help you. Right. That's true. So, you know what, it's also perception of customers is that when, when there's a big group of bouncers or security guards coming to kick them out, yeah. and they usually start picking on the smallest guy. <laughs> so, a lot of time, I was the smallest guy yeah. in this situation. Um, but, like, but, and I was usually the one to talk to people, try to get people out. But I also didn't realize that like I'm probably not the one that you should be messing with. Yeah. You know, just because I'm the smallest one doesn't mean I'm the one to mess with. No. But at the same time, some of the bigger guys are definitely not the ones to mess with. Yeah. And the, another perception is it takes five of us to kick one person out. Yeah. No. One of us could definitely do it. But you're going to get hurt along the way that we use two people to make it better for the patron. So we don't have to hurt the patron when the patron does something stupid. We use four people because it's easier. It's less less chance of someone getting hurt. Yeah. So it's not so four of us can beat this one person up. It's so that one person doesn't have to. Yeah. That's something everyone's always been like, same sort of thing. It takes four of you to kick me out. No. I definitely do it by myself. Yeah. But you're not going to like the way that ends. Yeah. So, yes, we're using two people, and yes, we're a bunch of bitches for it. Sure. Yeah. What? Is, okay, so the, that's interesting. So, in that same kind of respect, um, what do you think about people who, or the, the bouncers, security guards, that would that put on their gloves right before they went? Okay, so back when we were bouncers, yeah, understandable, because the chances were, yeah, you were gonna get in a fight. Yeah, yeah, they were probably gonna bleed. They were probably gonna need glass and spilt drinks. Now, no need for it. Security doesn't need gloves. If you're putting on gloves, it's gonna be latex. Yeah. No one at Dallas had like fighting gloves. Yeah. 
I know um, when I first started, everyone had like mechanics gloves. Yeah. So they put the mechanics. On. Yeah, and they had the, the the padded knuckles. Get the fuck. That shit was so stupid. There was one guy that worked with us that uh, came yeah. in with lead shot. The lead shot ones, yeah. Yeah, those ones, ones did damage people. Yeah, and uh, I knew a guy who had one of those. He's a fucking moron. I'm glad I'm not friends with him anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, but like when if you're a customer, the perception is that you're just going in there to fight. We're literally there. You are literally about to start a fight. Yeah. Not just kick someone out. Not do a job. Not do an injection. Start start a fight. Yeah. Not got into a fight. You are there to start a fight. Yeah. That is a big perception of. What used to happen, for sure. It's like the, the mindset that you're going in there that you're going to be yep. fighting. Like, I understand, like, oh, I have to be prepared. No. If you have that mentality, you're already starting off two levels higher than you need to. True. There was a, another guard that would come in with a vest. Yep. It wasn't even like a stab vest. Or no, it was a, a weighted vest. Wait, one was a weighted vest. Another guy had a paintball vest. Yeah. I was like, what's the point of this? <laughs> Again, I I think those were more to be to make themselves feel better. Think they're big badasses. And yeah. Yeah. I no. I never used a vest. It, it, if you have a vest, it's, it kind of feels like you're like waiting to get stabbed or shot at. Well, yeah, it's one. It's they're uncomfortable as hell. Yeah, you can't move in them. No, like I used to wear one for work all the time, and it was fucking terrible. Yeah. No, no, thank you. You took that thing off the second you could. Yeah. So I I wouldn't <clears throat> I wouldn't put it on for fun, and especially when it's not needed. No. Like, even back when I first started, there was no need for a stab vest. No. We work in Kitchener Waterloo. Back then, there was very, very little gun violence. There was definitely no need for a bulletproof vest. And, like, the guys who did that were fucking morons, and they were trying to pretend to be, like, big security guards. And Yeah. No. Was stupid. They were the guys who the rest of us looked at like these guys are fucking idiots. Yeah. This is true. Like, they kind of had their own group because nobody really understood why they were doing this, but. Um, they used to suck on socks too, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. gross. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, other thing that people don't, don't realize about uh, security is that. We're also first aid trained. Yeah. Especially now. You get your security license, you have to be first aid certified. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing that people didn't realize mm-hmm. that that if something happens, even whether it's in a fight or just in general at an event or bar, security is the one that's actually gonna take care of you. Yeah. Uh, like when you know, yes, it, there there are medics, but especially at festivals and things, they're busy. Yeah. So you're getting basically triaged by security. Yeah. Until that medic comes and goes, oh, yeah, oh, you're wrapped up, you're good, bleeding stopped, you're stable, okay, sit there. Yeah. That That's security. That's, yeah. they're like, 
nurses. The doctor comes in, does something real quick, and then tells the nurse what to do. They do all the work. Yeah. Same with the medics and security. Yeah. You triage them, make them better, stable. The medic will come. Yeah, okay, we'll have them sit there, drink them some more water, and we're going to change that dressing. Okay. Yeah. True. I know um, that I've, I've had people overdosing. Yeah, you told the overdosing ones a couple of times where like you got like five of them in a row. Yeah, but but like after that, like using Molly was a big thing. Yeah. So like injecting people with nanoxylin mm-hmm. to help them stay yeah. alive until like somebody comes in. But it's, like, those are scary times too. Yeah, I've never had to do that one, thankfully. Yeah. But I remember when it first came out, and we got a couple kids in Dallas. I had one in my truck. I had one in my car. Like. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. Like fentanyl uh, is a big thing. That was a big thing a few years ago for sure. People were doing those like festivals, so you mm-hmm. have to have these kits in yeah. case, and then like you have to train people on how to use them. Obviously, it's like you're kind of acting like a doctor. Like it's a little vial you get, and you have a, a needle. You have to put them together mm-hmm. and inject somebody. It'd be easier if it was just like an like an EpiPen. Yeah, just stab in the leg, and you're good to go. Yeah, but then we'll do that. The old orange to the thigh, blue to the sky. Yeah. You know what's funny? I, one thing I didn't realize about that. So I always thought you had to jam it in as hard as possible. You actually just didn't have to. No, <laughs> it's just light pressure. Light press and it goes in. Yep. I was jamming in people's legs. Like they had bruises well, at the end of it. Yeah. That's 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 how I was trained for it. I wasn't gonna be like, and like pressure. Yeah. No, it's a quick boom. Because you want to make sure it gets through their pants. Yeah, if it jams on anything, it like you're gonna make sure it gets through all that and yeah. you're in a hurry to do it. You're not just lollygagging around. So it's quick, authoritative, to the point, and done. Yeah. It's good. So like, yeah. Not pussyfooting around it. It's true. You're trying to save someone's life. You're yeah. not really playing. Um, so with that being said, you know, like, so when we're talking about perception, so what people perceive us as, like you saying in the beginning, is this like we're like just there to fight. Yeah. But there's actually a lot more layers of things that we have to do, looking around, make sure everyone's safe. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of jobs. We also go home sometimes, have a records read, um, and then also have to be able to take care of people. The first aid, triage, all that stuff, and things get really mm-hmm. hectic. That you know, talk the drunk girl down who's just broke up with her boyfriend who's having a breakdown. Yeah. You know, someone who can't find their friend. Like, drunk people are very emotional. Yeah, you're going to be Yeah, you have, you have to be able to change from, like, that big guy who doesn't care to now all of a sudden that, that crying shoulder as you walk her out to a cab and she gets in her car because her boyfriend was making it with some other chick or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You put on different shoes throughout the night for that one job. True. Like you have to go from maintenance to shoveling snow and cleaning up puke and busing and beer running. Yes. And Setting up the... Yeah. Set up, clean up. Like security, best friend. Like you, you, you put on a bunch of different shoes that I don't think majority of people realize you do all these things. No, sometimes if there's like an important event, you have to like debrief everybody yeah. and right before everything happens. Sometimes you're getting the information as you're in the middle of a debrief, <laughs> so like it's very interesting. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like a lot of those things, like there's a lot that goes into it that is more than he's just here to fight. Yep. We don't show up, fight, and go home. Yeah. That even back in the day, that's that wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that being said, you know, like one thing, um, our friend of ours passed away, Pierre. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, this episode goes out to him because he was a really good guy. He, he did a little bit of everything. Hundred percent. He was the nicest guy, and it it was very hard to hear about his passing suddenly. Yeah, so I remember talking to him, super nice guy, did a lot of stuff um, outside of being a bouncer, security guard. Um, Yeah, and hearing about him was a shock. Yeah, when you talk about the guy who would give you the shirt off his back, that was Pierre. Yeah. He's literally literally done it. Yeah. He literally gave people the shirt off his back. Yeah. And the industry took a big hit with his passing. This is true. So... Condolences to everyone who knew him yes. and his family. Um, he will definitely be missed. For sure. So this episode's for you. Rest in peace where you are. With that being said, that's everything we got for this week's episode. Yeah, so thank you for co-hosting. Uh, great to have you. Anytime. Catch up with you again. Always. Thank you for being a co-host as well. Yeah. And uh, thank everyone for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Have a good night, guys. Have a good one.